All right, come on, let's put our hands together. Let's give it up for dads. We love dads. We love you guys. Hey, where are all the dads in the house? Come on, just put your hand up in the air. Come on, give it up for dads. If there's a dad close by you, go hug, pat him on the back. Say, good job. Keep up. Come on, pat him on the back. Good job. Keep up the good work. Oh, so good to be together. If we haven't met before, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're just so glad that you've come to spend this time together. And we're in the middle of a series, the midst of a series, called Never Give Up, basically because we don't want you to give up. And this, the, the secret sauce, you want to know what the secret sauce is? The secret sauce to not giving up is faith. Jesus, okay, we'll give it to you. Jesus, okay, over here. Spiritual girl over here, okay. Jesus, okay. That, you give that answer for everything, though, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> Just We're in Hebrews chapter 11, which is a chapter about faith, and it's filled with men and women who had the opportunity, and sometimes we would say justified reasons to give up, but they didn't. And they didn't give up because their, their, their fuel tanks of their life were filled with faith, and faith fueled their future. So glad you guys are here. Nice to see you guys. Um, where was I? Sorry. Faith fuels. Yes, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the guy that we're looking at today, the character, because there's a lot of characters, and we're just looking through them, um, is named Noah. He was a dad, so it's appropriate. He was a dad that, through his faith, influenced his family. And we want to talk about that today, how, Dad, your faith influences your family. But also his faith changed humanity. We should all give thanks for Noah. If it wasn't for Noah, where would we be now? <laughs> and here's the, here's the scripture, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, which says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear, built an ark. And what did that ark do? It saved his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world. We'll talk about what that means. And he became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. He had, he had so many reasons that he could have thrown in the towel. So many reasons that he couldn't give up. Basically, in his generation, he and his small family were the, on, the only ones living for God. It would be like if you came to church and nobody else was here. You and your little family. No musicians show up, no pastors they're all rebels. Just you and your family. This is Noah. So can you just see how easy it would have been for him to throw in the towel? And yet, he didn't. He didn't give up. He kept walking by faith. And the beauty of the message of faith is when you keep walking by faith, eventually you win. The, the only reason you would ever lose in life is if you stay on the canvas, if you stay down. If you get up by faith, and if you keep walking by faith, you will win. So I'm just, just going to give you this. Get up. Just help me out a little bit. Just nudge your neighbor. Just say, get up. Come on, just get up. Somebody needs that. Get up. Get up. Uh, somebody just got woken up right now. Praise God for that. Just get up. And keep walking because the world had gone crazy in Noah's day. 
And um, when you rebel against God, it brings darkness, death, and chaos. We looked at Cain and Abel last week. The rebellion against God brought darkness, death, and chaos. It happened in Cain and Abel's life. It happened in Noah's life. And I promise you it'll happen in your life. That to rebel against God will bring darkness, death, and chaos, but to live with God will save your family and will influence the world. So we're looking at verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11 and the truth and the principles that come out of that chapter. The first thing I just want to point out is this, that when we listen to God, and I just want you to know he's speaking to us. He's a father, and it's really good for fathers to talk with their kids. There's a, there's a little fathering tip right there, if they'll listen to you. So if you're a, listen, if you're a dad, and you're here, and the kids haven't called you, don't get angry all day. The phone works both ways. And don't, don't pick it up and say, oh, you know what day it is? No, no, just call, just say, hey, I just want you to know I love you. I was just thinking about you. You're an awesome kid. We were talking about fathers in church. Dad would let them know you went to church. That's good. And the father was speaking to Noah. Look at what it says. Noah was warned, so the father God was speaking to him about things he hadn't seen because good dads, good parents warn their kids about dangers. So when we read the scripture, there's promises, great promises, and there's great warnings. And it's not because God is trying to keep you from fun or keep you from something you would be, would be good for you. It's because he is a loving father and he's a parent that cares. The parents that care for their kids say, hey, when the stove element is hot, don't put your hand on it. That's a warning, right? And little kids go, oh, but it looks so nice, and it's red, and it's glowing, and I, I'll just touch it a little, I'll just touch a little bit, just a, just a little bit, just a little bit. Ah! I warned you. Here, here's a warning that parents should give to their kids. Don't play in the street. Good, good, good advice? Yes or yes? Yeah, it's good advice. And God has advice in his word. Here's, I'll give you one. Don't play in the world. It's good advice. And by the world, I mean that system that is not in tune with God. The world that Jesus called the world. Don't play in the world or with the world system. Jesus warned us when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. Many warnings are in there. One of the warnings he gives to us in the Sermon on the Mount is that if you build your life on the philosophy, solely on the philosophies of this world, it's like building on sand, and eventually your life will crumble and fall apart. You can, as a man, spend your whole life climbing the fictitious ladder of success, only to find out when you get to the top it's leaning against the wrong wall. And so Jesus is warning us and saying, hey, don't build on the shifting philosophies of this world. Instead, build a life of faith on the solid truth of my teaching. And if you want to know what his teaching is, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's been his teaching. And he says, if you build on this, your life will stand. But if you don't, I want to warn you. One of the, here's, a, here's a warning Jesus gives to us. He warns us that he is coming again. 
Did you know that? Jesus is on his way. He could show up today. Father's Day would be such a good day for Jesus to show up on the planet again. It's just a, this is a good day, Jesus. You can come today. Take us home to be with the Father on Father's Day. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it? <laughs> great. But Jesus, he wants to warn us. And guess who, guess who he uses to teach us a warning about his second coming? Guess who the Bible character is he uses? Do, 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 do. I heard somebody say it. We're studying him today. Yes, we're studying him today. His name is in the scripture we're studying today. His name is? Oh, brilliant people are here. You are so much smarter than the other services. I don't know. I don't know. You guys, the sharp people just are here. He warns us. And watch what he says. He says, I want you, I want to warn you. And he's just giving a warning. I'm coming again. And what he says is, I want you to be ready. I don't want to catch you unawares. I want you to be ready for my second coming. I want to warn you. And so to warn us, he goes back to the days of Noah, who was a man who was warned and took heed to the warning and led his family to safety. And Jesus is saying, I want to lead you to safety. Pay attention to Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be just like that at the second coming or the coming of the Son of Man. That's the coming of Jesus. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking. They were no thought of God. They were just living their life. They were, they were going to the restaurants, and they were out with their friends. They were marrying, and they were going to weddings and giving up in marriage. Up until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And then they knew nothing about what would happen, or they didn't pay attention Noah actually is called a preacher of righteousness. Noah was receiving the warning, and Noah gave that warning to his generation, and they just, ah, we're not going to take it. We're not paying any attention to that crazy guy, Noah. He's building a boat. We don't even know what a boat is, but he's building one. Isn't that crazy? They called him Crazy Noah, I promise you. I promise you they called him Crazy Noah. Ah, he's warning us, but we're not paying any attention to it. We'll have none of it until the flood came and took them away. Now, here's the warning. Jesus says, that's how it will be at the coming or the second coming of the Son of Man or the second coming of Christ. Two men will be in the field, so you'll be with somebody. One of you will be taken to be with God, and one of you will be left behind. Now, there's a lot. I'm not going to teach on that, but I just want to be in the class that's taken. <laughs> that's what, and that's what the basic warning is. Be ready for my coming so that you're not left out. Like, here's the picture, the people outside the ark of safety. Don't be one of them. Instead, be one of the ones that's in the ark of safety and is ready. So I just, let me ask you, because we're talking about, one, are you ready for the coming of Christ? And if you're not, you can make your reservation today. I'll just give you the phone number. You ready? J-E-S-U-S. -S. Ah, easy to remember. It's like an acrostic. J-E-S-U-S is Jesus. And you call that number, and you're in. And he says, I want you to be ready. So I believe it's a really great way to live like Jesus is going to show up today. A plan like you're going to live to 120 do your investments, plan for all that. 
but live like he could come today. So you're ready for his coming. And Noah would live that way. He was ready. He listened to the warnings of a loving father, and he lived his life accordingly. And as we build an ark of safety for our families, for this church, for this community, we want to say, Lord, we are paying attention to your promises, and we're paying attention to your warnings. They're there for our protection, right? Right? Right. Okay, the second thing from verse 7 I want to point out is that faith, and the faith of Noah certainly is an example of this, faith that builds an ark of safety, faith dares to be different than the current culture of the world. The Bible says that Noah, by faith, condemned the world. Another version says it, uh, Noah showed that the world was wrong. Noah lived different than the people around him. And, And when God calls us, he calls us to be different. I think the Bible also uses the word peculiar. (laughs) Just a little different. And that's how, didn't Jesus live? Jesus was a little different than everyone else in his culture. He lived a counter-cultural way. He was a cultural revolutionary, and the followers of God in this generation are called to be cultural revolutionaries. That's your calling. So the world is going one way, but you go, oh, you know what? I'm going this way. I'm going against the culture of the world. Jesus picked people no one else would pick as disciples. Aren't you glad for that? The culture would have said, oh, pick this kind of guys. (laughs) You don't go to the docks and get dock workers. No, go, go to the rabbinic schools. No, Jesus goes down to the dock workers and says, you salty sailor, no more fishing for fish, fishing for men. I pick you. Nobody else will pick you, but I pick you. Aren't you glad? That's, that's revolutionary different. He walked into the city of Jericho. There's a crowd of people around him, and he's walking. All of a sudden, he stops, and there's a big sycamore tree, and he looks up into the tree, and there's this little dude up there. Everybody looked down on him, figuratively and literally. He was, don't you know this song? Wee little man and a wee little man was he. Don't you know that song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Savior tore to see. Don't you know this song? Oh, we got we to get bring some of these oldie goldies back, man. I can just see the worship team. No, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> Come on, we got to bring him back. Bring him back. So Jesus stops. And he says, Zacchaeus. Nobody would have picked Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He wasn't just a bad guy. He was the chief bad guy. Everybody hated Zacchaeus. But who does Jesus? He could, he could have gone to lunch with anybody. He could have gone to lunch with the rabbi. He could have gone to lunch with the, with the, with, with the politicians. He could have gone to lunch with, with the religious people. He just picks this guy that's the worst of the worst and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, did you know that Zacchaeus' name means pure? 
That's his name. His name, and I tell you what, behind Zacchaeus's back, nobody ever called him Zacchaeus. Nobody ever called him pure. They called him everything but pure. Because everybody hated him. But Jesus was a counter-revolutionary. He loves the people nobody else loves. So if you think you have no hope with God, man, you're in the right place today. Because we serve a counter-revolutionary who picks unlikely people. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to eat with you. Different. The Bible says in Romans 8, and I love this, uh, or Romans chapter 12, sorry, that we should not conform, not be pressurized by the system of this world, but we should be transformed. Counter-revolutionaries. Culture is moving one way, we move another way. When he built that boat, I'm sure that was a revolutionary. A revolutionary. Imagine. This guy starts building something in his backyard. He's your neighbor. Hey, Noah, what are you building? Well, I'm building an ark. Well, what's an ark? Well, it's like a boat. Well, what's a boat? It floats. What is floating? Well, rain is coming. What is rain? These things were all brand new. They were, the whole culture said, that's never going to happen. The whole culture said, Noah, you're a weirdo. Listen, when people call you weird, you're in good shape. No, seriously. If everybody thinks you're fabulous, maybe you're not daring to be different in enough areas. He's building this boat. I remember one time, not this church, another church I served in, which was more in a neighborhood. We're kind of, we've been kind of out in the, we're getting to be in a neighborhood. Pretty soon we're going to be in a neighborhood. But this church was in the neighborhood, and I was out, I was just pacing off, like how big, no, it was huge. Noah's Ark was. I was pacing it off. I was, pacing it off, pacing it off. And a lady came out and said, what are you doing? I said, I want to see how much space it would take to build an ark. She said, are you with that church? I said, absolutely. She said, are you planning to build one? <laughs> no. I just want to see how big. It was huge. It took them years of construction. While culture mocked him, he dared to be different, and he put something in his children. So you can't challenge your children to be different unless you are willing to be different. You can't challenge them to be different than the culture of the world unless you are willing to be different. He dared to be different. And because of that, he built an ark of safety for his family and for the family of the world. The third thing is that he, he lived in God's family and he lived in a big family. He brought his family into the family of God, which is the desire, I would hope, of every dad, every parent that's here, to bring your family into the family of God. And it says, by faith, Noah became an heir. Do you know what that word means, heir? That's not Jordan's. You know, heir, what is, what, is, what is it? When he was an heir, what does that mean? A successor? So it's in the Bible. We should know what it means. Or we should at least... What does it mean? When it says he's an heir, what does that mean? A recipient? That's good. Recipient, successor. What's that? 
Is that, was that funny? Was it serious or was it funny? Was serious? What was it? He said it in Spanish because that's the heavenly language and that's what everybody knows. Now, I, let me say, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put it in English. He was in the will. When, when you are an heir, you're in the will. We talk about being in the will of God. This is being in the will of God. This means you're in the family. You, you are in my family. What he says is when he walked by faith, the rest of the world was rebelling against God. He walked with God. He was in the family. And what happened? He became an heir of righteousness. Remember we talked about this last week? A righteousness that comes by faith. And a righteousness is in a right relationship with God. And it doesn't come because you earn it or deserve it. You put your trust in God. You make God the center of your life. And God says, I love that. You are right. We're in right relationship. You are righteous. You're in the family, man. That's good news. Uh, the New Testament says it like this. We are children of God, and we are. This is talking about you. You are an heir. You're an heir of God, and you're a co-heir with Christ, which means everything Christ gets in the will, and he's getting a lot, like the whole thing, isn't he? Doesn't Jesus get it all? So you're a co-heir with him. Whatever Jesus gets, you get. Man, that's good news. Come on, that's good. You get what he gets. And, and don't wait for it. Live it like now. All the stuff Jesus did, he wants you to do. Praying for people, loving people, picking people out of sycamore trees. That's what he wants for you guys to do. You're an heir of Christ. You're in the family. So here's what happens. When you walk by faith, you influence your family into a greater family, into a big family, a big family of faith. Now, I'm glad I was raised in that kind of family. I was raised in a family that brought our family into the family of God. And uh, I sat with my dad a few days ago, and we did a little Father's Day interview just about being a father, bringing our family into the family of God. And I want you just to see a short clip of the interview that we did with Pastor Earl, man of great wisdom. And if you'll look at the side screens, a little bit of time with Pastor Earl today. So we have um, uh, some new dads that are part of our fellowship. We have some that are going to become dads. What kind of advice would you give uh, to new new fathers. Well, love your children. Uh, always love your kids. It doesn't matter what they do, how bad they are, just love them and demonstrate that love. Don't just say it, but demonstrate that love by loving them in a tangible way. And it's very important to let them know that you love their mother uh, because when the children know that you really genuinely love their mother, that brings to them a sense of security in the home, and that's important. Would you give any different advice to dads that are raising teenagers, or when they get into adolescence, they need a little different kind of advice? Yes, when, when your children get in their teen years, they are developing their independence. And I kept a very firm hand on my children, but I had to learn as they matured through those teen years to loosen the reins a little and let them show and demonstrate their uh, reliability. Okay. And what the father that's investing, what, 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 if you're doing a job description, here's what a dad does, here's what a time, what does a dad do? 
Well, you do have to be organized in your life. And, but in the organizing, I say again, make sure you have big time for the children. And spend time with them. Now, one of the things we wanted to do was to make sure our children were filled with the Word of God. And so we had morning devotions, we read the Bible, we went through all of Eagermeyer's Bible story until they know them. And once I, once I got through the Eagermeyer's Bible story and I started again, I started the adult dozes off. He said, we heard that before. So I found a book, it was called Leading Little Ones to God. And it was by a reformed teacher. And it was very good. It was very uh, detailed in teaching about God, who God is, why God is invisible and all of those things. And I liked it because it was just a couple of pages, each page, each devotional was just a, little, a couple of pages long. And when it came to the end, there was a song. And some of the songs I knew, some of the songs I didn't know, but I sang them anyway, just made up tunes. And we had a lot of fun learning the words of God. When we got in the car, I had tapes, we had children's songs on the tapes, and we had stories that, uh, we're in the, I just wanted them to be filled with the words of God. So uh, Jesus describes uh, God as Heavenly Father. Uh, how do you appreciate or what is it about our Heavenly Father that you appreciate? Well, uh, He demonstrates His love for me. So I want to be like Him and demonstrate my love for the children. And uh, that, that's, to me, that's very, very important that your children really know that you love them. I remember one day sitting at a kitchen table. I'm not going to tell you which son, but he was very rebellious at that time in his life. And I looked in his eyes and I said, son, do you hate me? And he said, yes, I do. Well, that was startling to me, but he was being honest and I had to help him through that by loving him in spite of his, his Tremendous feelings towards me. So I want to take it off the table. It wasn't me. No. <laughs> I, want, I want to see which of the other two. It's two-thirds of the choice now. Uh, let, me, let me ask this. You are in your 80s now, so you're closer to the finish line than yes. you are to the star, starting line. And, and someday you'll be with uh, our Heavenly Father. Uh, when you are with our Heavenly Father and we're here on the earth, how do you want to be remembered? that I was a, a man of integrity, honesty, purity of heart, purity of motive. And the chief, chief aim of my life was to serve the Lord. When I met Jesus personally, it was just when I was entering my teens. I knew all about him because I grew up at church, but I met him personally, just entering my teens. And so when my, I was through my teens, I was not like a lot of young people are up and down. And as a pastor, I met kids that were saved one, one week and not interested in Jesus at all the next week. I was not like that. I was just, well, I was like my mom. I set my face to follow the Lord Jesus. So I was determined I was going to sow seeds of righteousness. And now at this advanced stage I'm living now, I am enjoying the fruit of righteousness because of sowing those seeds when I was younger as a dad. Uh, let's give it up for Pastor Earl. Yeah.
So what was he doing? He was doing exactly what Noah did, building an ark of safety for his children. And I want to challenge every dad, every guy, every influencer, every mom, every parent to build an ark that saves your family. And on this day, we think about that because it says Noah built an ark and it influenced his family. Now, we don't build with gopher wood and tar. We're not pounding with hammers out in our backyard. But every day, you are building something. I hope you're building an ark of safety for your family. I hope you're not building the Titanic. There's all kinds of guys that are investing in the wrong thing. So just invest in the right thing. Follow this path of faith that this world-changing dad lays before us. And here's the things that we build with. We don't build with wood and nails every day, but every day we're building with grace. Grace is that unmerited favor. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. And the scripture tells us that grace can build us up. Did you hear that story where my dad was in conversation with one of the boys, not me, but one of the boys... And maybe you've had a hard conversation with one of your kids, and I hate you. What overcomes that? Building with grace. Unmerited favor. Now, he had his times with me as well. I needed lots of grace. Maybe more than the other boys. I don't know, but I needed lots. Like when the police chief stops your dad in the middle of the street and says, Has your son talked to you yet? I grew up, I don't know, I grew up in a town, everybody knew our business. You know, anybody grew up in a town, like, everybody knows your business? That was my town. And uh, did your son talk to you? No. Why? Well, because uh, some time ago, we arrested him. And uh, we, we made him promise that he would go back and tell you what he was arrested for. And he hasn't done that? No. I'm not telling you either. I'm going to tell you, I needed Grace. So maybe you're going through a tough time with your family. Listen, build with grace. First of all, receive God's grace. Because you need to be accepted into his family with unconditional favor. And then give that grace to your children and to your children's children. We build with the spirit of love. And the Bible says that knowledge will puff up. Get this distinction. But love will build up. Love causes us to build an ark of safety. It's not about winning every argument with your kid. It's not about knowing more than them. In fact, they really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, how much you love them. So, Bill, did you hear him? Over and over again, my dad said, and it's true, and I'll pass it on, love your family. Love your, love your, love your spouse. Let them know that, that how important your wife is to you. If it's a, you're a wife, let them know how important your husband is. Build a house that's built with a spirit of love. And then lastly, I'll just say this, build with prayer. The Bible says that we should build our most holy faith. We should pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude 20. We should pray in the Holy Spirit. Every time you pray with your family, you're helping to build an ark of safety. I encourage you to find a time every day to share prayer. We would do it at our family dinner table. We would share a prayer together. We would have everyone say a, a brief prayer. What were we doing? We were building an ark of safety. And if you've drifted off of that, no condemnation. Just like everything in life, when you drift off, get back on track. Pray with your family regularly. 
I think they said it like this, the family that prays together. <laughs> that, isn't that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible, but it's true. Pray for each other and keep walking in a world that's going crazy, right? And it gets, it gets don't you see, feel like the world is getting worse and worse sometimes? Like when I was a little kid growing up in my little town, we never, we never heard about school shootings. Never. Now it's part of the culture. Why? Because darkness is getting darker. And in the midst of that, we need to keep getting brighter. We need to say, okay, the world, that may be the culture of the world, but we are living to a different voice. We hear the voice of our Heavenly Father. He warns us what to stay with. He warns us what to stay uh, away from. And we follow His voice. We follow Him. We dare to be different. We build into the big happy family. And we build an ark of safety in our own little house that saves our family. And we come together as a church family and we build an ark of safety where people that are beat up by the world can come in and find safety here. And God is pleased when we live that way. In Jesus' name. I just pray, guys, that you'll be a man of God. I just pray you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that spirit will cause you to live different in a world of darkness. You will be what God calls you to be. You'll be an incredible light in the midst of the darkness. Let the church say... Amen. We're going to pray together, so let's uh, close our eyes. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and stand with me and just prepare to pray for and with people with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and with the, the power that's in the name of Jesus. But on this weekend, I especially want to pray for the guys. I especially feel it on my heart as I'm praying over the services. Just pray for God's strength in your life. Pray for God's anointing to increase. If you've got it off track, hey, by grace, no condemnation, by grace, just come back. Unmerited favor to a place of strength, a place where you will be able to build an ark of safety so it will be a safety to the people around you. And so I want to pray for the guys. If you are a guy that's here, you don't have to be a dad, just a guy, you're here. I'm going to ask you, and I'm not going to ask anything else than this. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray over you. Just stand where you are right now. Just stand up. And I just pray over all the men of this place, all the guys that are gathered here. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that you would give them unusual wisdom. I pray that they would hear your voice. Oh, guys, I just pray that your ears would hear the voice of your heavenly Father. Your natural father may not be here. Your natural father may not be speaking to you. But your heavenly father wants to talk to you. And he wants you to hear his voice. He wants to warn you about things to stay away from. And he wants to invite you into things that are incredible joy. I pray that you will be a difference maker. I pray that you will live differently in a dark world. You'll be a shining light. And I just pray the blessing of the Lord to be with you, that you will be a strong, mighty man of God. In Jesus' name, I pray this. And everybody says, amen. Let's all stand together. Put your hands together. We celebrate that. We bless you guys. We bless you. Yeah. May every home be, be strong. And in these moments, they're just moments of prayer. And our prayer team is here. If anyone's here that's drifted far away from God, not living for Jesus, then in the next few moments, I'm going to invite you to come up and just say, hey, I need prayer to get my life back in touch with Jesus. 
maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, just come, I need, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I need to make sure heaven is my home. I need to make sure that I'm in that ark of safety before I can bring anybody else into that ark of safety. They're also here just to pray for any need. Maybe your family's under attack, and I know the enemy hates, the adversary hates families. Maybe your family's under attack. We're here to pray with you, that God will strengthen you, that God will see you through. Maybe you want to say a special prayer for your dad or your beloved who's not here. We will pray together with you. Whatever your needs are, we want to pray. There's also communion tables on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. And as we come to the communion, Holy Communion, we remember Jesus. We remember that he died on the cross to take away all of our sins, all of our shame, to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He went into the tomb and he didn't stay there. He rose from the dead and he's alive in this room right here. And he participates with us in the communion. And we invite you. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer or communion, just a friend of Jesus. If you've been a new person that's just been around this place and we want to make sure if you've never been here, if you're new to Hope and you've never been in the VIP, we just want you to go to there today before you leave. Slip in there. People will be hanging around anyway. There's floats if you want them. There's fun if you want it. We invite you to stay for a few minutes after. There's some hot dogs. Just hang out a little bit. I'm going to pray a blessing over just the whole fellowship and over your week. And then uh, the worship team will just begin to lift up the Lord. You can worship. You can come for prayer. Come for communion. Go with the grace of God. But I pray that this week that we're entering into will be a blessed week. In a dark world, I pray that you will shine brightly. In a world that is going one way, I pray you'll be going the other way. I pray that you will dare to be different and that your influence, because you're all called to be influencers, your influence will be passed on to the next generation. In Jesus' name, I just pray the blessing of the Lord and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fill this room with great power. I pray for our prayer team. When they lay hands on people, may God show up in a big way. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow through them like never before. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healings, miracles. We ask, God, that you will do supernatural things as we take time to pray. Thank you for the communion. Thank you for the bread of the Lord. Thank you for the cup of the Lord. We thank you for the cross of Christ. We celebrate the truth of the cross, which is your ransoming us, your setting us free. And as we receive the bread and the cup of the Lord, we are free. And we're free indeed by the Spirit of God. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy, with all peace, as you trust in God. So that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong and the mighty and the majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And everybody says, amen. Yeah, let's just bless the Lord. Good to be together. And please come. Please come for prayer. Please come for communion. Stay for some fellowship time as well. God bless you guys. We love you so very much.